that was one of the number one things they reported back when we had our first meeting after we got started is like, oh my goodness, I'm really getting to know my students in a way that I hadn't before. So that's very powerful and a great opportunity that we have. The topic of today's podcast is the hybrid model of instruction during distance learning. Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech, Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education, Education is our passport to the future. Our quote today is actually from Twitter, and it's from Dylan Hooskin, the 2019 Montana Teacher of the Year. He posts, we're building a house with no blueprint, one brick at a time, hoping the foundation will hold. To quote a student, I'm excited and nervous and maybe even scared, but hopeful. Wow, there's a lot packed in that one. Uh, Rena, what would you unpack out of that thing? Well, it makes me think about if we aren't uncomfortable and pushing ourselves, then we aren't learning new things. So it's good to be excited, nervous, and scared because then you know you're learning and pushing yourself to do new and possibly great things. I agree. And I think our teachers are definitely pushing themselves and doing amazing things. In fact, I think those emotions that were in that student's quote, excited, nervous, scared, hopeful, are all ones that are have been expressed by teachers too, especially at the start of that distance learning journey. It's a mm-hmm. great, great quote pick. For sure. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig into hybrid learning a little bit and break it down into a few different pieces. We're gonna start just with a little bit of an overview and then kind of look at the the in-class versus out of class and pros and cons, those those pieces, kind of your traditional hybrid. And there, there's kind of a couple different forms of hybrid. Traditionally, hybrid means that the students learn part of the time in a face-to-face classroom and part of the time away from that face-to-face. So you're, it's a hybrid model. Um, and there's different ways to structure that, but but usually that means in class and at home, or some kids maybe aren't at home, but they're at daycare or something like that. But now with the distance learning being so prevalent, people have adapted that and modified that so that the, the face-to-face really isn't literally face-to-face but it's synchronous. So we're using video software. So we'll kind of take a look at both of those as we discuss today. Um, So there's the in-class and out-of-class, and I'll just take a stab at the out-of-class piece first. Um, And when you're you're looking at planning that, that's the part that's so different than a traditional classroom. And I think maybe the most important uh, things to think about is how can we make the most of that? You know, not it's that it's second best or something like that, but maybe what is the best fit for that time? Are there things that that allows us to do that maybe we can't do in the classroom? Like maybe it allows them, our students to engage differently and with different people and outside the class and they have different resources. Um, the other key there is to ask yourself, what can kids do on their own? If they can do it on their own, let's let them. Let's empower them. Let's give them the reins so that they can they can do that. Now, for them to be successful at that, obviously, we have to set some routines. We have to kind of help them scaffold that a little bit so that they know how to be independent learners, how to take that responsibility, and then think about what can we flip to that at-home learning experience. Is that 
practice or is it a flip video where they're learning some core content? Um, is it a project? Those are the questions that we need to ask. And then of course, in the traditional hybrid, we have that in-class piece. So Rena, why don't you give us a few uh, insights into to what to think about in that part of it? Before I dive into in-class, I just want to add on to yours a oh, little bit about out-of-class. Because I know right now we're thinking pandemic and out-of-class means at home on a device, but it can mean so much more. And you kind of alluded to that when we talked about like even internships. I know in the area there's a high school and they do this type of learning. And a couple of the days the kids are actually in an internship on job work site. Um, there's a lot of different things. They're job shadowing. So they're going out in the community and actually engaging in work with the community or maybe they're building public art projects. So there's so much more than just being at home on a device. Um, and it doesn't even mean that they have to be outside the school necessarily, just out of the class. So maybe there's a shop or somewhere else or they're 3D printing or using other devices in kind of that maker space area as well. Yeah. And I love those examples you gave because they're all authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, the classroom is sort of a contrived simulation of real life, but we can get them beyond those walls. We can actually get them to the real deal. And boy, how powerful that can be. Yeah. But when we talk about in-class days, and I am thinking a little bit more of right now, um, it's always good to think about teaching the technology before you have students engage with it on their own. So using that in-class time really to support and teach that technology and give them a safe space to practice while you're able there to support and ask questions. Um, And that's really good for all levels, including adults. So if you're an admin or someone else that leads PD, think about that too. What can I support in person so that they're able to be successful when we are no longer in person? Um, And a huge one, I know we talked about this a ton in our last podcast, but relationship building, um, building community, that can be done so much more easily face-to-face. It doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, we've heard about different ways you can do that, but when you're face-to-face building that classroom community and relationships is usually, I would say, easier. And then that will help build those connections when students are online or communicating outside the classroom. Um, and I know some, in some cases, I, my own kids have actually never met any of their classmates or their teacher in person. And this has been actually a huge problem. So for one of my first graders, his name's Bear. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't have named him, but I think he's too young to listen to this. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's such a like, cool name. He might not like it when I call him out, but I know he's had a really hard time because if you ask him who his classmates are, he will only reference kids that were in his kindergarten class that he met in person. He won't even name, like, it's not that he's not working with. It's just when you ask him, it just, it's not even, it's not a similar connection. Um, and I know teachers are really trying and my daughter, she, she would name all her classmates now, but um, just thinking about why that's so important for kids and even adults. And I think I've actually never met Pam or Paul in person, but we're still able to connect. So there are ways to do that. (laughs) Um, Another thing that's really great in that in-class days is establishing routines um, that then can be used and taken back when they're out of the class as well. And then the other thing is, depending on what type of class you're teaching, like sometimes some of those labs or I think of there's certain materials or things you actually need to do in 
person. It might be that you have the resources in class and I can't really do some of these experiments or the engineering design process. I've been trying to work with students and it's really hard when they don't have those materials at home to build and collaborate. So doing those types of things in person, those group projects, or even giving live performances, those all need to be done in class. Yeah, definitely. You know, our district, Paul and I, we've been doing hybrid learning at the secondary level. We were actually on our second year of it before the pandemic. And so we had an opportunity to do some learning about hybrid learning in the classroom or in the traditional kind of setting that um, has been pretty powerful in preparing us for this pandemic one now that is K-12 type of hybrid learning, but definitely some opportunities that we've seen and some challenges that we've had to be thoughtful and intentional about addressing. So first, opportunities. You know, there's that opportunity to have half the students. And like what you said, um, Rena, the importance of that relationship. And so when you have half the students at a time, you really do have an opportunity to build those relationships and get to know your students um, personally, as well as what their needs are so that you can differentiate and personalize the learning for them. In fact, um, with talking to our teachers when they were first starting the um, hybrid learning, before the pandemic, that was one of the number one things they reported back when we had our first meeting after we got started is like, oh my goodness, I'm really getting to know my students in a way that I hadn't before. So that's very powerful and a great opportunity that we have. The other thing is that students are really can, some students really do thrive in that independence and are um, highly motivated by having more control over their learning. We do our weekly um, Twitter chats and somebody noticed or noted that you know, with the hybrid model, there's opportunities to bring in the other blended learning models like playlist, station rotation, and flipped. And with all of these models, it really can allow students to have more control over that time, pace, path, and place of learning. And having control is empowering and highly motivating. So our teachers were definitely noticing that. And we've heard similar reports back in the hybrid of pandemic as well, relationships and um, that motivation that comes to be comes from being empowered. But absolutely, there are challenges too, right? In this model that we saw pre-pandemic and we're definitely experiencing now during the pandemic that we need to be very thoughtful and intentional about. So for example, not all students have the same at-home advantages. So how can we ensure equity of learning for all of our learners? That's a, a common conversation that we need to continue. Some, some students may struggle more being independent learners. Some thrive some struggle. So what scaffolding and structures can we put in place to support all of our learners? And then um, lesson planning. It can be more difficult. So how can we be thoughtful in our design to create lessons that don't add to our teacher workload? And I think a key there goes back to many of those authentic things that you, Rena and Paul, were mentioning is designing learning that's really student-centered so that students are empowered to take ownership in their learning. And that can happen with those inquiry project-based type learnings. In fact, we're going to be having more conversation about that in upcoming podcasts. So looking forward to that. Yeah, there's so many great points. Um, and then we're going to talk about in our second topic, what if you actually are fully virtual? How can we adapt and still have this hybrid model, even though you're fully remote? So to get started, you could adapt in class to mean online or synchronous. So there's, I know a lot of different districts um, and schools have what both synchronous 
an asynchronous learning time. So if you kind of think of the synchronous live video session as you're in class and your asynchronous is out of class, this can work. So when you're synchronous, you can have those real-time conversations and collaborations with students. That's where you can still do those same things that we talked about doing in class, build relationships, go over some of the tech learning within a space that is safe and where they can ask questions and all of the same things that I previously talked about. Yeah, along with that, Rena, you know, going back to that, what I said before about not all students having that same advantages at home, um, we need to think about that. So, for example, not every student may be able to join those live sessions. So how can we support those learners when they're not able to, like providing a recording of our meet session so that they can watch it asynchronously? And I think it's really important that we maintain empathy for those access challenges. Paul and I actually got, unfortunately, got to experience that a bit yesterday ourselves, our internet service provider cut a, a line that impacted two states. And it certainly impacted our world yesterday. And we really um, experienced that frustration of knowing we had a lot to do, but we weren't able to access it to be able to do it. And then knowing that um, once it is up back up and running, which ended up being a full day later, that we had double the work. We had yesterday's work and today's work to do. So imagine that as adults, how hard that was for our young learners to have those experiences. So how can we support Support them in that in those challenges. And then um, those live sessions that are offered during distance learning don't completely replace those face-to-face -face experiences that we have in the traditional hybrid where we would bring them into our classroom. So despite the amazing efforts of our teachers, some students are really struggling to be successful. I know in our district to meet that challenge, we're starting to bring back some of our students face-to-face, -face, even though we're still in distance learning, we're going to bring some of them back who are um, experiencing those greatest challenges. So so that teachers can better meet their individual needs and provide them that personalized instruction and support that they need to be successful. Yeah, and I know a lot of districts where I live in Washington State, we're starting to phase in, especially the youngest learners who are struggling the most with using technology or accessing or they're in daycare and it's crazy and there's 30 kids running around behind them. Um, but I know we're starting to phase in those youngest learners for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> and I did show lots of empathy because we were supposed to record yesterday, but actually I, I gave you empathy <laughs> and I got to go on a really long walk that otherwise I wasn't going to get to do. So actually, thank you. <laughs> so the hidden benefits of our fiber optic cable getting cut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got to walk while it was still light outside. Awesome. Well, if we want this to be successful in a distance learning environment. There's a few things that we need to consider besides having fiber optic cables cut. But one is how much time can we reasonably expect students to spend learning on their own each day? Now the older kids is probably easier. They can take care of themselves and they can log on and they can do a regular school day. But some of those younger kids, like you mentioned, Rena, they might be at daycare with those 30 kids running around they might not be able to do any schoolwork until they get home. Let's say they get home at six o'clock. If they did a full day school starting at six o'clock, think about what time they would get to bed. I mean, like three in the morning, that's just not reasonable. So as a system, I think schools have to think about what, what's going to be the expectation for those, those kids during that time and then do some balancing. So maybe, maybe there is synchronous and it's recorded like um, Pam was mentioning as a backup 
and then maybe the asynchronous is more flexible, you know, for those kids. Um, also, we we have to consider um, how are we going to reach those kids who have that limited access that Pam talked about. Um, if they're at school face to face every day, we can send home hard copies for those kids who don't have internet. You know, here's a packet, take it home. Might not be ideal for everything, but they can certainly you know, function through that and they can learn. Um, some districts have offered, you know, hotspots, but not every district has that option. Some districts have done bus deliveries. So it's like the, the bus goes on the bus route, but instead of picking up and dropping off kids, they drop off the supplies that they need and that can work. But there has to be some kind of a plan for those, those kids for the equity purpose of giving everybody a reasonable chance to learn. Um, we've, we've even had drive-through pickup days where, all right, on Tuesday, this school is going to have pickup and the, the parents drive through like they're going through the fast food and they pick up the work for their kids. Um, takes a lot of coordination, but that's a lifeline. Yep. We have it every few weeks. Um, I have to drive through and we pick up supplies and books and different resources for my own kids. And trust me, because I, I miss it, but it, they're even great. And they'll kind of meet at some different times for parents that are work, <laughs> working. So that's nice. For sure. And you get to see a live person, somebody else. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's hop into our tool talk here. Um, and, for today's focus, we're going to look at digital whiteboards. There's lots of different ways to slice and dice those, different flavors. Um, so we're each going to take one. I'm going to start with one called whiteboard.fi. And there's actually a tooltip sheet on avidopenaccess.org for this. So you can go check out more details if you'd like. But I like this one because it's super simple. You don't even need an account. Every kid has their own board. The teacher can see what the students are working on on their board. So it's a virtual way to kind of look over their shoulder. Um, you can draw, you can insert PDFs, you can do images, shapes. There's a little math editor in there now. They've added a music staff, a bunch of things like that. And they've also added a feature now where the teacher can push their template out to all the kids at once, which is super awesome. So whiteboard.fi, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, very similar to that is whiteboard.chat. <laughs> so they are similar, but I would say whiteboard.chat has a few more features. It sounds like whiteboard.fi is upping their game a little. Um, you can also find a tooltip sheet for whiteboard.chat on avidopenaccess.org. But I would say it is a little bit more robust. There are more things that you can add. Um, you could definitely can take a template and then push it out to all of your students. You can see all of their whiteboards at the same time. Um, the other feature I really like is they have a little hand raising um, option. So if a kid, a student needs help, they click on that and then you are notified to see what student needs help. And then you could look at their board and, and see it. You don't have to log in to access it, but you can because this allows you to save your board for a certain amount of time and you could download those boards as PDFs as well if you need evidence of assessment. Very cool. And you know which one of these whiteboards the Jolly Green Giant uses? <laughs> we almost made arena. The giant board? The, the whiteboard dot fee five four five. I think it's time to transition. <laughs> To what's your one thing? So that so was we, a new joke. That was one thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so as we're thinking about hybrid learning, what's your big takeaway, Rena? 
So I think it's whether you're in a hybrid model or even fully remote or virtual, you need to maximize your face-to-face or live video synchronous time to build relationships and community and then help establish those good practices that can be used when students are online on their own or in an asynchronous environment. Totally agree. I would add consider equity. We have to make sure that all of our students have an opportunity for a rich, deep learning experience, and we cannot leave kids behind. We need to offer that for everybody and make accommodations and scaffolds where we need to. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. It's that opportunity with the working with the smaller groups, which is an opportunity to build those strong relationships, even distance with our students so that we can better know them and better support them. Awesome. Our, our teaching and our classrooms are all products of many parts. We've talked about lots of things. And no matter what learning model you're currently in, you can blend in a little hybrid learning and leverage its unique benefits with your students. If you want to dig in deeper and learn some more, head on over to avidopenaccess.org. We've got an entire collection of posts about blended learning strategies and how to adapt them for distance learning. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help you bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central for live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote and hybrid learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. You can also call us and leave a message at 858-223-8999. Please share your comments or feel free to ask us a question. Once again, that's 858-223-8999. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.